Okay, this is my first time. I have been working with Pastor Kyle and been praying over this, and uh, I hope the Lord speaks through these passages. We're going to be in his word a lot, because I don't want it to be my words. Um, I want it to be what God has for us in Acts. So before I start, I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Jesus, Lord, I just want to give this time over to you. Um, I pray that as we look into your word, that you'll speak to us. That we won't just be listeners, but we'll actually be hearers and doers of your word. I pray your Holy Spirit moves in us, Lord, to be a congregation, a body that goes out actually shares what you have been teaching us. That we're actually going out and making disciples. That we're going out and sharing the love that you have shown to us. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunities that you give. Thank you for this opportunity. Pray not for my benefit, but for your benefit, Lord. Thank you, Lord, so much for all that you are doing in your name. Amen. Well, Lyle is a guy that goes old-fashioned sometimes when I teach. I don't have any fancy PowerPoints for you because I used it all for Thailand. No. (laughs) Um, If you have any questions about Thailand, feel free to come talk to me. If you missed this morning, I'd love to talk about what was going on in Thailand, and how God was working there. Um, we are going to be starting in Acts 16, but not right now. We're going to start somewhere a little bit different. But I want us to be thinking about this concept of open doors and God's timing. We hear open doors used a lot. We always have an opportunity for an open door. And we're going to use Acts 16, and we're going to look at Paul and Silas and the opportunities that they have. But many times, we just stop at open doors, and we don't (laughs) give way to God's timing, because those two go together. It's not in our timing, not what we think the open door is, but it's God's timing and his purpose. We're actually going to start in Acts 14, 27 to 28, because it's going to lead us in to what we're going to be reading about. Now, this, Pastor Kyle has been, uh, Pastor Kyle was preaching last week um, through Acts 13 to Acts 15. And he ended with Acts 14, 27 to 28. And this reads, When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they spent a long time with the disciples. One of the things that I want us to take as we start looking at the word is it has nothing to do with us. Many times when we look at the word, we're like, okay, 
What does this have to do for me? But we need to look and say, what has God called for me? God is the one doing the work. It's not us. We need to be in full surrender of what he is doing. We've been going over a house and the healthy structure of a blueprint of a house. We get to talk about the door. If you had a house without a door, it would be kind of hard to get in. If you were me and Jesse, we'd probably work together and I'd throw them through the window or something like that. But a door allows you to enter in to the place where you need to go. So how does that imagery fit the church? A healthy church. We think about this door. Many times the verses talk about coming in with Christ. I would like you guys to turn to John 10, and we're going to start in verse 7. As you can see in the notes in your bulletin, uh, a way I like to work is I learn better when I get asked questions. So you see that there are questions on your notes that will be pinpointed as we go through today's scripture. And one of those first questions that we're hitting on is, who is the door and why is this important? So, in John 10, 7 through 10, we see, So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Uh, for those that know John, John, the passages of John, this is where Jesus is using a lot of parables, short stories, um, and is teaching the significance of who he is. In John 10, we see the story about the good shepherd and how Christ is the good shepherd. I want us to look at verse 9 because this is going to paint the picture more as we look at Paul and Silas in Acts 16 to 18. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. We're not the door. Let's start off that right now. Many times we think we are the door. We're not the door. Christ is the door. He's the one where people come into. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He is the one that provides salvation. So with this imagery of the door, Christ is the door, but the gospel is what it hinges on. The gospel is the good news of what Christ did on the cross, that he died, that he rose again on the third day, and he defeated sin. 
And this is for those that believe and come to him. John 14.6 says supports this claim when it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the door. He's the one that we need to come into. Jesus is the one we should be looking and where our focus should be in everything that we do. Christ is the only way. So here's the question. When we look at these open door opportunities, when we think of, so if Christ is the door, what is our part in the big picture? Now this is a loaded question. Because we are people driven by things we do, even if we don't recognize it. We have to check our mindset and make sure Christ is at the center of it all. Because we like to make ministry a chore, a job, a checklist of I have to do all these things to fit up to what Christ has called. But it's not that. It's a heart. It's a heart thing. It's a heart problem. I need to do all these things to know I'm following Christ. That's kind of our mindset that we have. We need to make sure Christ is the driving force. I need to do all these things, then I'm following Christ. That's not what our mindset should be. Our mindset should be because of what Christ did. And it's so prevalent in my life. I want to do these things. Because we love Christ and believe what he did, that is the motivation to wait on his timing and follow his direction. So when it comes to open doors, Christ is the door and he wants all to walk through into his presence. When we focus on ourselves and our own desires, when these opportunities arise, it's like we're piling our personal baggage in front of the door. We can block the door, or if we are surrendered to Christ, we can help with opening the door. Now, can Christ still open the door if we put all our stuff blocking the door? Yeah. Look at Jonah. We can see how God used Jonah in great ways, even when he was not in full surrender to Christ. But think, if we are in full surrender to Christ, how much more the gospel can be spread. How much more his word can be spread to our community, to our loved ones. How much better we're going to be because we're going to be dying to ourselves and living for the Lord. Open doors are all around us. The question if we are fully surrendered and allowing the Lord to lead. You're going to hear fully surrendered a lot during this sermon. And it's something that speaks to me a lot because what is this concept of surrender? When I think of surrender, we have the white flag. <laughs> we think of war and the white flag means we're done. I don't want to fight anymore. We're in full surrender to the Lord. We put up that white flag and we're like, Lord, all of this is for you. It's not just the little bit. It's everything. We need to give everything to the Lord. 
Acts 16 to 18 shows Paul and Silas, and it gives us an example of what it looks like when the gospel in Christ is at the center of our lives. Were Paul and Silas perfect? No. I just had to say that because many times we can talk about people and put them on a pedestal. They weren't anything spectacular. Paul thought of himself as the least of the disciples because of where he came from. We should be humbled that the Lord is actually using us. When we look at these chapters in Acts, we can ask ourselves some questions about the way that we are living. Now, when we are asking ourselves these questions, it's important to realize that they relate to our heart. And all these relate to open doors and God's timing. So will you please turn to Acts 16 with me? And we're going to start our time with thinking through these questions that we see in Acts. Now, one of my other disclaimers that I should... uh, have given you, is that I love God's Word so much that we're going to be jumping around it a lot today. So follow along. I'm going to give you time to turn there um, because I think that's the best way to keep you guys engaged is we're all looking at God's Word together. Because I don't want it to be my words again. So that first blank, I gave you some uh, fill-in-the-blanks. And our first question that we should be asking ourselves is, are we listening to the Holy Spirit or listening to our own desires? This is a big one. Because it's one that we're going to battle day and night all of our lives. So let's go to God's Word, and then we'll discuss this question. So I'm starting in verse 5, and we see that this is on Paul and Silas. They were on a missionary journey, and they were going everywhere. And in verse 5, it starts off with, So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. Now it continues on as they were traveling all over. And we're going to pick up back in verse 7. Where it says, And after they came to Messiah, they were trying to go into Bethania, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Messiah, they came to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now we can stop right there, and I could do a whole sermon just on that little bit right there. Because it hits, are we listening to the Holy Spirit or listening to our own desires? We see in verse 7 that Paul and Silas were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. How many times do we ignore the Holy Spirit where, I want to do this. 
but we know that the Lord is not directing it, and we still do it anyways. Or because of that, we lose an opportunity to share the gospel to someone. And we'll see that as we go through this chapter. The things we do with our heart really affects the outcome of the people that we interact with. I love it that the Lord directs them into Macedonia. Macedonia. Uh, They get to see the Lord directing, and they followed. And they actually didn't go into the place where the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So we're going to pick up back in verse 13 of Acts 16, because they start the travel. They start going around. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. A woman named Lydia from the city of Tyritia, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she heard just saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us, who's bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Now, we can continue on and see what happens to Paul and Silas after that. They, got put in, they were beaten and then put into jail. But I wonder if you caught what was happening in verse 13 and verse 16. We went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. Verse 16. It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, Paul and Silas's heart were, be, were to be in communication with the Lord. They wanted the Lord to be at the center. They were looking for a time to be in communication with the Lord. And they didn't let that stop the open door opportunities. Because they were going into a place... <clears throat> To pray, in verse 13, they got the opportunity to talk to the women who had assembled at the well. God knew. Did Paul and Silas know? No. They were just going to pray. And all of a sudden, they had to start talking. But God used their willingness for the gospel to be proclaimed for a woman named Lydia for her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Her household had been, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us. Same thing with, they were looking for a place to pray in 16, and you know, the slave girl 
having a spirit of divination, that's a little bit of a different story of where it got cast out of her and the events that happened, but it was a lead-in to something much greater. And we're not going to get to that right now. And there's a reason for that, because we're going to talk about are we listening to the Holy Spirit or listening to our own desires? We're going to go one chapter a little bit further and look in Acts 17, and we're going to start in verse 16. And the reason why we're doing this is I want Scripture to be our support as we look at these questions. Now, Acts 17 goes into as they continue their journey Um, and we're starting in 16 where Paul is at Athens. Some of you may know the Sermon on Mars Hill, but basically in a nutshell, Paul is talking to the philosophers who are worshiping an unknown God. And so we see in verse 16, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the... I love words like this in the Bible. I picked a great scripture to uh, preach on. Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying... What would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Were Paul and Silas listening to their own desires or were they listening to the Holy Spirit? That's a question that we should Look, as we look in Acts 16, 17, all of Acts, all the Bible, but also of ourselves. Paul was waiting for them in Athens, and his spirit was provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. Our spirit is provoked many times, whether good or bad. The question is, are we listening to the Holy Spirit of how we should handle that situation, or do we let our desires dictate how we handle that situation? He or she done me wrong. Boom. You get my fist. Or, we take the other side of, okay, Lord, what do you have me to do in this situation? Where our heart's focus really affects listening to the Holy Spirit or to ourselves and what we want. Now this question also really hits when Paul is talking about the Sermon on Mars Hill. Because in verse 23 of 17 it says, For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, 
having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. When we're listening to our own desires, it's like we're worshiping an unknown God. We know what God wants for us. We see it in his word. But when we ignore it, it looks like to the other people, who's this God that this person's worshiping? When our life doesn't dictate what God has called us to be. Proverbs 4, 20-23 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and health to all the body. Watch over your heart with diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. Our desires, the things that we want, we need to watch our heart. Verse 22 of Proverbs 4 says, For they are the life to them who find them, and health to our body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. Everything that flows from us comes from that heart. And that question of are we listening to the Holy Spirit or listening to our own desires really hits home. And it questions why we do the things that we do or how we should look at the things that we do. 1 Corinthians 6, 12-20, if you'll turn with that to me. Um, the real cool thing about learning about Paul is that Paul wrote a lot of letters. And so there is a lot of things that you get to look at um, in the words of Paul. <clears throat> but this is a uh, letter from Paul to the church of Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 12-20, and then you can also find it in 1 Corinthians 10, I believe, um, said very similarly of something that we should be thinking about daily. Starts in verse 12 of, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. 
Again, we're talking about the mindset. Do we think that way with everything? Are we looking at the things that we're doing? It doesn't give a list of don't do this, don't do that. There are clear-cut ways of the Ten Commandments of do not put an idol before me. Do not worship other gods. Do not steal. Do not murder. But there are things that the Bible doesn't talk to. But this verse does. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Are we thinking about the things that we're doing? And then we have to think back of we like to make lists, checklists, make it a chore, and we have to think, okay, is my first direction because of the Lord and what he's doing in my life, that's why I'm looking at these things. Or am I looking at these things because I want to please the Lord? There's a little bit of difference of we need to first start with the Lord And that's where it roots from. Um, If we, we're going to move on to the second question. It says, are we demanding our rights Or are we focusing on the gospel? Now this one, this one's a tough one. Um, Confession, as I was uh, working through this scripture this couple weeks, it wasn't just one week, it was a lot of weeks, um, it was hard. Because when you look at open doors, God's timing we realize how many times we fail in these concepts, in these ideas. How we fail the Lord because we would rather do things our way. Or we'd rather rush things. And not wait on the Lord's timings. But this question of are we demanding our rights or are we focusing on the gospel? We're going to go back to Acts 16. And go to 22 to 40. Now this is a story that probably a lot of us are very familiar with. But it's good to go over. So we just got to the place where Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown in the jail. The crowd rose up together against them and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to beat them with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into an inner prison, fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in. 
And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And later he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. It goes on and keeps talking about what went on after, um, which we'll get into. But I want to highlight a couple things when we look at Acts 16, 22 to 35. Paul and Silas were imprisoned and beaten. Yet they were praying and praising the Lord. It wasn't because of anything that they did, but it was because of what the Lord was doing through them. Because their heart was right with the Lord, with the Lord, they knew that He was doing something through that conflict, through that transgression. Open doors are usually not the obvious door. We would have thought, hey, the jail door is open. There's my door. I'm out. That wasn't the open door. The open door was the opportunity to share the gospel with the jailer. Not because of anything Paul and Silas did, but because they were surrendered to the Lord in his timing. They waited. Their probably first instinct was like, hey, my chains are gone. Doors are open. Let's go. But because they were so in tune with the Lord, they're like, okay, Lord, what do you have for us? Do we do that? Do we, when something comes, do we actually spend time in prayer and be like, okay, Lord, what do you have for me in this moment? Do we actually wait on the Lord's timing? We, this demanding our rights, this is a doozy. Because if we think of Paul and Silas, they could have demanded their rights. They were Romans. They were mistreated. They should have got a trial. They should have gone through all these different things. But they were beaten and thrown into jail, innermost jail. But because they didn't demand their rights, they had this opportunity to share the gospel. How many times do us demanding our rights gets in the way of the furtherance of the gospel? I'm not saying that our rights are bad. We have a constitution that gives us rights. The right to bear arms, the freedom of speech. But when we focus more on those things, <laughs> rather than Christ, then there's a problem. Because they become the God, rather than God is the one over all. Paul gives us an example of this in Ephesians 3.1, where he's writing his letter. 
And I want you to think, Paul and Silas, were they viewing themselves as Romans or as followers of Christ? Paul writes in Ephesians 3.1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. It wasn't I, Paul, the Roman. I, Paul. It was I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. He viewed his relationship with Christ of that he was fully devoted to the Lord. Do we have that same premise, that same mindset of how we view our relationship with the Lord? Or are we like the Pharisees? Many times we are like the Pharisees. We know the right words to say. In Matthew 15-8, it says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Pharisees had the appearance of religion, but their hearts were far away from the Lord. And that's the challenge for us. We can come to church. We can do these things. But are our hearts far away from the Lord? Are we actually living for the Lord? Or are we like the Pharisees? Philippians 3, 7-12 through 12 says, But whatever things were gained to me, this is again another letter from Paul, which... I love what he's saying here because it makes us think of what we're doing. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted at loss for the sake of Christ. It's that concept of dying to ourselves and living for Christ. Dying for the things that I want, but I want the Lord to be honored. Do we have this mindset? This last question on number three is one that we see throughout Acts. This is what we're going to conclude on. Do we have a desire to spend time continually with the Lord and a desire to spread the gospel? We are the most effective when we are in tune with the gospel and fully in tune with following all that Christ has for us. Does that mean he won't use us if we're not in full surrender? No, we see that with Jonah. But think of how much more effective as a church we would be if Christ is the center of it all. 
Paul and Silas had a desire to spend time with the Lord and spread the gospel. You see it in Acts 16, 13. They were looking for a place to pray, and they had an opportunity to share it with Lydia. Acts 16, 16, looking for a place to pray, and the lady with the Spirit came, and the opportunity that arose from there. Acts 16, 25, they were praying and praising Jesus in jail. They were going through conflict, yet they praised the Lord. Acts 17, 16, communicating with Christ, spirit provoked. He was looking at what was all around him and in communication with the Lord. And the Lord used him to speak to these people at Mars Hill, these philosophers, and give them more about this unknown God that they were trying to figure out. If you were here with me uh, when I was talking about Thailand, I'm going to use the verse that I used there. Because it allows us to think what we should be doing. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul and Silas weren't perfect. But the thing that stood out was they did not want to be conformed to this world and they were being transformed by the renewing of their mind. They were looking for time to spend with the Lord. They were looking for opportunities to spread the gospel. They wanted God to be honored, not them. It's not anything we do, as in verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. This is your spiritual service of worship. It's what Christ did, not what we did. Christ shouldn't have died on the cross. We should have took the burden of our sin. But he did so that we could be united with him because he loved us so much we could do all these things we could open doors and be patient and yet if we do not focus on the gospel or the Christ is not in us all of this is for nothing and that's that's a hard one to take if our desires are more than the Holy Spirit leading if we're demanding our rights and not focusing on the gospel, if we don't have a desire to spend time continually with the Lord, these opportunities that we get to share the gospel, get to talk to people, interact with our family, with our friends, 
It's nothing. It's like we're the Pharisees. Where their lips were honoring the Lord, but their hearts were far from the Lord. Or we are like the philosophers who are worshiping an unknown God. God has made clear who he is in his word. And the question that I want us to ask ourselves is are we in full surrender to Christ? It means everything to the gospel, to who he is. And that paves the way for open doors in God's timing. It's far from what we do. It's what Christ does through us. Will you join me in prayer? Jesus, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness that it has, Lord. Thank you for what it proclaims to us, Lord. I pray that as we look at Paul and Silas's life, that we just don't see them as Bible figures, but we see them as examples of men that followed after you. I pray that we are men and women that follow after you and die to ourselves and live fully for you. Now that's hard. There's so many things prevalent all around us. Lord, but I pray that you will be the one honored and that you will speak to this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you give. I pray that it won't be about us, but it will be about you. Thank you, Lord, for your leading, for your hand over all of us. In your name.